Okay, are we starting? Yeah, we've been we've been okay. recording. Hello and welcome. This is the Takes It Took Movie <gasps> Podcast. <gasps> we have. All right, we are not an ASMR podcast. We are, in fact, a movie podcast. Um, and today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, what are we doing, Mariah? You know, Mariah. Uh, yeah. What are we doing? I'll, t- I'll tell you what hey, we're Mariah, doing. Mariah, what are we doing? Well, if you boys would be patient. Are we rowing? I don't think we're having a round. Are we rowing? Miles, are we rowing? I don't think we're rowing. I, I don't think we're rowing. Are you th- do you think we're rowing? I don't think we're rowing. I'm having a bit of a row. With? You. Oh, fuck. Okay. And Miles. <laughs> so, typically, obviously, we cover one movie per episode and we talk about the the backstory of them but seeing how this is the end of the year this episode is going to be released on christmas merry christmas happy hanukkah happy holidays to all you folks out there um we thought we would do kind of just a summary of what we have seen over the last year so we have kind of made up some categories um it's award season it's yes we're going to be doling out our very fancy the takes it took um what should these be? Tickies. Tookies. Ta- yeah. Some- tookies. Um, <laughs> We're going to be handing out the tookies to movies. Movies that we've seen this year, not necessarily that's come out this year, unless specified that it came out this year. Yes. Like I, we, yeah, we, yeah. we have a, you know, came out this year category, but everything else is just things we've seen for the first time this year. Yeah. So uh, we've got some interesting categories some a little unconventional, some kind of conventional. And we're just going to take turns and talk about some movies that we've seen this year um, that we enjoyed and we found interesting. Uh-huh. And um, we're just going to kind of rotate through them. Uh-huh. And that's right, boss. <laughs> so that's kind of going to be the format for this one. Please, uh, you know, after listening to this episode, let us know what you think. If you would like us to do more episodes like this in the future. Um, yeah, we're happy to switch it up and try new things. So let us know what you would pick for these categories. Um, of course, you can interact with us on Instagram and on Twitter at the takes it took. Or if you want to, you know, finish listening to this episode and then, you know, write down all the categories, email us in all of your picks. You can do that as well at the takes it took at gmail.com and maybe we'll reply to a few. So yeah, um, that would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Someone talk to us. We'd love to know what you guys have been watching, what you guys have been liking and we're always open to more suggestions of things to watch. Maybe, you know, one of those things could be something we cover on the podcast in the future. So, yeah, please reach out to us. You know, we want to interact with you guys. Um, so, yeah. Now, before we kind of get into the movies, um, I wanted to go back over some of the movies that we did cover this year. I know we started in July is when we started releasing. But, um, obviously, every episode, we rate them out of 10. And I was wondering, you know, I, I we have them all, all the ratings out in front of us. Mm-hmm. If you could change one of your ratings, what would you change it? I did. I looked back and I looked at all of them and I went, yeah, Miles, you're a smart man. You're a clever boy. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Uh, and you understand how to rate movies. About charge of it. Except for Star Wars. I gave Star Wars a 6 out of 10. Uh, you both gave it a 7 out of 10. I would like to change my answer. This is Star Wars. Yeah. I get that it's the first one. It's not my favorite Star Wars. It deserves more than slightly better than middle of the road. I'm going to give this movie an 8 out of 10 now. All right. So I'm going to bump it up by 2. Okay. This movie, it's fucking Star Wars. All the visual effects that went into this. I know George Lucas is kind of a weird guy. (laughs) 
But golly gee, Miles from the past, you really flubbergusted this one, you fucker. Miles from the past was really hard to be around. He's really mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty happy with mine. Actually, I think if I had to pick one, I would say I'd bump Jaws up one from 8 out of 10 to 9 out of 10. Which is interesting because that is exactly what I would do. Yeah. Um, I think... Part of it, I think, is just sentimentality at this point because Jaws was the first episode of this podcast. I just put a lot of time and effort into it. And then after that, I, we, I forget which episode we talked about it. We went and we rewatched it in theaters, which was just phenomenal. And I think that, yeah, I think I would give that a 9 out of 10. I will say, looking at all my ratings, I think I rated things a little bit higher than I would now that time has passed. But um, I don't necessarily regret those, but I do kind of regret giving Jaws an 8 out of 10. So, yeah, I'd give it a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Gosh darn it, I'm so goddamn smart. All right, cool, that was it. Goodbye. Well, I just want to say, I gave Jaws a 9 out of 10, and your guys' yeah. thing is giving Jaws out of 9. Oh my god, I, I'm We so have to good. copy you, Miles. Uh, we so want to be like good. you. I think, actually, I want to take Star Wars down three notches. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, well, uh, now that we got that out of the way, let's get into this. Yeah. Let's talk about our awards. Let's get some tookies takies in my talkies yeah and normally of course we start episodes off talking about things we watch we're gonna kind of skip over that just because this whole episode is things that we've watched so Pinocchio. Um, uh, yeah so we're just gonna jump right into we'll it get there um with our first category being what's the goofiest movie i saw this year goofiest movie well golly i sure do wish i saw a goofy movie for the first time in my life this year but i didn't you know what I did see this year that I thought was really freaking goofy? Mm-hmm. Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, that oh. is. I think Willy's Wonderland is such a goofy, silly little movie. It's very bad, but it is so goofy and funny. Nicholas Cage is in it. He doesn't say a goddamn word, and he kills animatronics. It's like a ripoff Five Nights at Freddy's. Which I love playing because I'm just the biggest gamer. I just played every Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. That is a that is a very good pick, yeah. Willy's Wonderland, goofiest movie for me. Nice. Goofiest Silo movie. You know, I had Willy Wonderland on my list as well. With a lot of other movies. I did not pick it. Um also watched R R R rather goofy oh, silly movie that is a goofy movie um i watched a movie called hudson hawk which i have completely forgotten about i couldn't actually tell you that much about it but i know it was silly uh i watched a movie called uhf with weird al that one was crazy but i had to think i was like what what is a goofy movie it was so goofy it was so wild it was a movie that shattered my mind it shook me to my, <laughs> my limits God. had me delirious and I, it was an experience more than anything. A goofy movie I'll never forget. I think it has to go to The Red-Headed Stranger, <laughs> which I will never forget in my entire life. It's Willie Nelson. It's an old TV movie, Western. It is absurd. We've talked about it before on the podcast already, but I had watched this movie. And when we had gotten to the ending, I was like, what a journey. What a wild, intense, crazy journey we've been on. I didn't think it would go the way it went. We looked at how far we were in. We were 30 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) It was insane. This movie is insane. And for that, I give it the goofy Tuki. Yeah, that's a good one. It's based on, um, I think we we talked about it. Mm. I forget in which episode. 
But yeah, it's a it, it's an album that Willie Nelson put out, and then they made a movie based on the album. Right, I yeah. remember yeah. this. Yep, yep, yep. Um. Okay, now for my pick for goofiest, I'm I'm gonna go with Hudson Hawk, uh, 1991, directed by Michael Lehman. Pirates Band of Misfits was my was my contender, which Dude, is that is a goofy movie, which is a, a stop motion animation from Arbin Studios. But mm-hmm. that was more just kind of like plain funny in my opinion. Um, but Hudson Hawk, which stars Bruce Willis, is about a cat burglar who kind of gets blackmailed into stealing art, and he ends up in Rome. And it's all about this insane rich couple who want these pieces of a puzzle that create a machine that converts lead to gold, invented by Da Vinci. They're ridiculous sound effects, like cartoon sound effects all throughout. He rides in an ambulance gurney on the freeway. He gets like put into a coffin, falls in love with a nun, blows up a castle. It's just <laughs> absurd. Sounds like a lot. Start to finish. Um, it's funny. And, you know, with a drink or maybe a little bit of a, uh, a smoke, if you're into that, I'd highly recommend it. It's a very fun night. So um, that is my goofiest movie. Great. Nice. Cool. Goofiest movie category. Goofiest movie. Done. They've Done. been doled out. Better luck next year. Now you can guess kind of what everything is going to be like for the rest of this episode. Mm, they're not all so silly, but... Well, they're not all silly, but that's kind of the formula. Is we're going to go around and say what we yeah. like. Yeah. The next category. Most surprising. So this one seemed a little open-ended. Yeah. Yeah. It, they're kind of supposed to be. Yeah. Mm. I picked Nomadland. Oh, most yeah. surprising. Because I did not, when I first saw Nomadland and I saw the trailers for it, I did not think I was going to like it. Going into it, I thought it was a documentary. I thought, I'm not really going to, I'm not going to care for this movie too much. And then I turned out to really, really like it. So I was, it was the most surprising for me in the sense that I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. I didn't think I was going to like it. And... That's our next episode. So, little little spoiler. No, I'm gonna, we, we tell you at the end of the episode, but I'm going to tell you right now. That is the next episode that we're going to start off 2023 talking about Nomadland. Poggers. So, there's a ringing endorsement from Miles. Yeah, it's del- it's delightful. All right. Very good. Stefan. Um, I'm very much in the same vein as Miles. You know, I had essentially assembled a couple of movies that surprised me in the sense that they were more than I expected them to be. I watched a movie called Love, Liza with Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. That surprised me very much. I'm going to talk about that one again later. I watched um, Death on the Nile came out this year. Murder Mystery sequel to mm-hmm. Murder on the Orient Express. That was better than I thought it would be. I thought I was going to have Same. kind of a bad time going into it. I thought you guys didn't like that movie. It wasn't as good as the first one, in my opinion. But mm. um, I've, I've, it, was, it was better than I was expecting. Yeah. I had a better time than I thought. But the movie I'm going to pick is, yeah, a movie that surprised me because I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would was a movie we've talked about already on the podcast, Murder in Coweta County. It is a, in the same vein as the other movie I just <laughs> picked, a old Western made-for-TV movie with Johnny Cash and Andy Griffith. And June Carter Cash. And June Carter Cash. It was just, um, it had a lot of spirit and it had some really beautiful, amazing shots to it. The story was a lot more engaging than I thought it would be. And, and the ending was a lot better than I thought it would be. There's a lot of really great moments in it. Um, There's the one moment where they're visiting a guy who's sick and he's laying in his bed all stiff and then they slowly pull the blanket off of him and you see that he's got a gun under the blanket. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a lot of good moments. There's a moment where a guy's pacing in a prison cell and he 
um, the camera's in the middle and he walks around the camera and the camera follows him in like a 360 pan. Like they were doing some like crazy stuff for what I wouldn't think a Western made for TV movie would do. Oh my God. So, is that a gun in your blanket or are you happy to see me? <laughs> you know, when I said that, I, <laughs> saw, <laughs> I saw a funny look come on your face <laughs> and I was like, he's got something cooked up and planned. I don't know what it is, but he's going to say it. But uh, Murder in Queen of Kenny. Johnny Cash. Yeah, movie. another another highwayman. Yeah, another highwayman. We got two of them. Okay, so for the most surprising takey for me, I'm going to go with um, this 1997 Irish black comedy movie called Butcher Boy. Mm. Um, now- That made the list for me. Yeah. My review on Letterboxd was that I can confidently say I've never seen any movie like this before. It's set in the 1960s, and it focuses on this 12-year-old boy who- at the beginning, his mother commits suicide. His father is an alcoholic who ignores him. Me, IRL. With this great upbringing, he escapes into very dark fantasies. Uh, he ends up going to reform school, and his thoughts just continuously get darker and darker. He's frequently visited by this Virgin Mary who curses a lot um, and is just like super crude. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he finally gets out of reform school, his friend that he relied upon has a new best friend. And it just kind of like, it, there's just like a mental snap, essentially. Oh, and yeah. by the end, you're, you are not rooting for this kid. You don't have any hope for this kid. You want him to be removed from society. And you're not his friend anymore, which is the thing that he wants most. You know, I thought it was just going to be like a black comedy. And I thought it would just be like, kind of like a coming of age story about kind of like a rap scallion. Nope. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. No, it's not. It is insanely dark. What's the movie called again? It's called Butcher Boy. Butcher boy. Yes. Very peculiar. There's even a bit with like an alien. I don't even. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's bonkers. And yeah. And so it just was not what I expected at all. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm going to do for most surprising. Okay. Yeah. Nice. On to me now. Next, next category. What's our next category? Moving Um, along. Next category, unless I am mistaken, is going to a takey tookie. Category of our own, best lips. Best (laughs) lips. Best lips. Now, for me specifically, I chose best lips from movies that we've reviewed. You guys didn't have to do that. That's just how I did it. So the nominees are Peter Weller from Robocop, Patricia Quinn, Rocky Horror, Julia Roberts, Ocean's Eleven, not a chance, and (laughs) Arlie Ermey's sister. Sister. Sister? Yeah, okay. Well- it was a callback to the joke where he says, I'll let you kiss my sister. Oh, he I see. He says it in the movie. I they talk about see. their sisters a lot in that movie. Okay. Gotcha. Too big brain. Anyways, <laughs> big brain the award. So big and strong. and The award, of course, obviously goes to Robocop. Because one, just look at them lips. But two, <laughs> you look at Robocop. Mm-hmm. He's all robo. Yeah. Except for his lips. Because... His lips are immaculate. They're perfectly made. And they even let his lips be the only thing you see because they're like, you you, they, you, you want to kiss him. You want to kiss him. You got to give the audience what they want. His lips are out there. They're the first thing you see. They're intimidating to the criminals. Smiles. He's got the best lips. <laughs> All right. Um, for my best lips, which it's interesting because you talked about movies that we've seen. And mine is going to a movie that we covered on the podcast too. But you didn't, you didn't mention this person. Um, there was one I had, but I took off. Is it Rocky Horror's very own Tim Curry? No, I had the other because Rocky Horror. Because that's who I am giving my best lips award to. I don't think I need to say much more. Case closed. That's all I have to say about that. All right, <laughs> all right moving on. 
Well, my my favorite lips, you know, when you're thinking of lips. As I always do. What do they do? You know, they help you talk. They They help you smooch. They smooch. They help you slurp up. First and foremost, they smooch and they suck. They smooch and suck. When I'm looking at lips, I'm thinking they got to be able to do a lot. Your lips got to be able to That's a good observation. That's good. A lot of stuff. Where are you going with the smiles? I think the intro lips from Rocky Horror Mm. are, they're smoochable. They seem so capable of slurping on liquids, like like through straws and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, straws. Uh, The lip bite is a Mm -hmm. very important Mm. feature of lips, and and those lips can do it. Yeah. I think the intro lips from Rocky Horror. So Patricia Quinn's. Patricia Patricia Quinn's got some DSL. (laughs) Hey. Robocop also has DSL. And the takeys have been tooketh. <laughs> I like that. So so two two takeys went to Rocky Horror, so mm-hmm. pretty good. Um okay, moving moving right along to the next category, folks. Chuck, 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 um chuck, we're gonna be talking choo-choo. about the best silly little guy. Just a silly or gal. Yeah. Silly little guy. This, silly. Whoever we pick deserves to be in a pond because they are just such a silly little goose. <laughs> A silly um, duck, and, if you will. And mm-hmm. for me, I chose Rango from Rango, the 2011 Ooh, animated. You saw it for the first time this year? Well, okay. I I watched it maybe like when it came out, but I didn't remember it like at all. Oh, okay. And then um, I watched it again for the first time like since it came out. I just think essentially- maybe we should kick you out of the podcast. If you um, I think like actually if you could get on your knees and face the wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna execute. I, you. I think it counts because I didn't remember hardly anything. Okay, I mean um, you get one pass, but <laughs> all right, thank you. Okay, um, and it's just he's he's goofy, he's silly, he's fun. He's got he's a great little hero that you're rooting for. He's got a fun shirt. He's got a fish. He's just he's just a silly little guy. Silly little dude. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna go to to Johnny Depp as uh, Rango in Johnny uh, Depp takes the take. Gore Verbinski's Rango. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah, 2011 all right, Miles. Rango. All right. Yeah. Silly little guy or gal, what do we expect from our silly little guys and gals? We expect some shenanigans. We expect them to... Some antics? Some antics, some tomfoolery. And when they do all these silly little things, you know, we go, we don't get mad. We just go, aw, look at you, silly little guy slash gal. little dude. And so my award for silly little guy (laughs) is going to go to Patrick Bateman. From American mm, Psycho. Yeah. All right. He's, he's such a, a silly little guy. He's a silly little dude. <laughs> he just likes to listen to music and dance. And, he's just like us. And he just wants to show off his cool little business cards to all his little buddies. And oh, God. He's such a silly little the dude. Business cards. You can't blame him for it. Yeah, you can't blame him for anything he does. You go, aw, you stabbed a homeless man to death. Bateman. I love that so far we have um, an animated chameleon and a serial killer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so best of the little guy. Summing up what has been said already before, just a guy who's up to antics. Bronson made this list. Goofy little guy. Waymond from Everything Everywhere All at mm-hmm. Once made this list. He's a silly little guy. I relate. I relate to him a lot. He's a silly um, guy. Even though it's not 
my first time ever saying this. I put Private Pile on here just because, you know, he's a he's a goofy little dude. And he's got goofy little guy problems. <laughs> but the one I picked is um, Philip Seymour Hoffman from the movie Love, Liza, which I watched this year. Okay. Uh, it's a bit of an indie film. See, Hoffman is a silly little guy dealing with the suicide of his wife. His wife has left him a note, you know, presumably detailing something about why she uh, killed herself. But him being a silly little guy chooses not to read this note. Instead, what does he do? He neglects his job and he gets addicted to huffing gasoline. He gets so addicted that he, uh, he makes up a hobby in RC airplanes and boats so he can justify having uh, gasoline stored in his fridge. And then he travels around the country uh, going to RC shows. And that he's just a, a goofy little guy huffing gasoline and Aww. swimming in ponds and stuff. Little guy. I will say, I, I, I feel like objectively one of them is goofy and two of them are not. But yeah, I think that Yeah, works. I think yours is not that goofy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. Mine's the outlier here. Yeah. Actually, it is the outlier. <laughs> <laughs> you picked a genuinely goofy little one? guy. Yeah, I did. I also want to preface at this point that all our categories are not this strange. Yes. We are actually going to have discussions and talk about things. Yes. Just so you know, in case We're that's just what starting you want. Off light. This is this yeah. is some silly stuff happening here. Yes. <clears throat> so this cat, the next category, in very the much like the last one. Very much like the last one. Me for real, for real. Yep. Just people that he's that like me for real. We watch it and we go, "Wow, he's he is just like me for real." For real, for real. And I think it should come to no surprise to anyone that I picked Bronson mm-hmm. for this award. Mm-hmm. He is just like me, for real, for real. You did talk about it on the episode, for sure. He yes. is bald. He has Check. a beard. Check. He, <laughs> he, just wants to, <laughs> he just wants to do the things that he loves. And... You know, while I may not want to get into countless fist fights, you don't want to get system. your ass buttered up. I don't. I I do want to get my ass buttered oh. up. God, I want to get my ass buttered oh, up. Oh, slip and slide. I want to get it covered in charcoal. I want to get it all kinds of artsy, crazy. But I left the movie. I had downloaded his personality, and thus I was him, and he was me for real, for real. Bronson made it to my list. Um, I also have. There's a character named Barry Egan from the movie Punch Drunk Love. He made my list. But what really did it for me is Caesar from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> He's a monkey. He's a chimp, to be more precise. But uh, what what else is there to say about that? He's he's hairy. He's a chimp. He makes chimps <laughs> noises. Yeah, he, you got it. He monkey. He hangs on stuff. He monkeys around. And he, and he rises up and he's like a monkey like no other. Mm-hmm. Gotta That's love just it. you. I, I can't even really elaborate. Just I want to be monkey. Okay. The sad thing is, is that my for real for real uh, is so kind of depressing. Authentic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's genuinely authentic. Okay. Um, because while we were watching this movie, I said, "Wow, I'm just like her." Um, my for real for real um, award <laughs> goes to uh, Juliet. From um, Sherlock Gnomes, which is the sequel <laughs> to mm. Gnome and Juliet. Um, I will say, this was a movie that uh, we watched while we were down bad with the flu. 
Um, just down atrocious. <laughs> I I needed to go to urgent care. It was it was oh shit. Yeah, it was bad. The the thing about Juliet in this movie, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm relating to a fucking garden gnome. Um, she's super focused on work, and I related to that just because I work two jobs. I'm going to grad school. I'm frazzled like ninety percent of the time. Um, but <laughs> basically, she isn't good about separating work <laughs> from like personal life. Which I am not good at. But yeah, anyway, I literally found myself turning to Stefan as we were watching it. And I was like, I can't believe I'm relating to her. I'm you, very you, sorry. Yeah, you specifically so, said that. Yes. So um, a bummer of a she just like me for real, for real. But that is my mm-hmm. just like me mm-hmm. for real, for real Just award. like you. All right. For the next award, there is an app, an application, if you will. You can also get it on a computer called Letterboxd, where you can rate and review movies. It's the new hot thing right now. Uh. <laughs> Letterbox we are going to be now talking about our best or favorite Letterboxd reviews over the year. One, one review I have for the network is, I want you all to get up out of your gaming chairs. <laughs> I want you to get up right now and go touch grass. Feel it and go on Twitter and say, I'm as cringe as hell and I'm not going to be sus anymore. Uh, a review I had for Men in Black was, there's a little cricket up my ass. <laughs> there it is. I've seen it. Um, the winning review, I'm actually going to cut the first half of this review, um, is for Cats and Dogs, which reads, the most entertaining thing after the inventions of lizards on rocks and tragedy. And then under that, I have, can't believe it wasn't a dream. Ayo, we hitting bongs, cats and dogs. Nice. Um, Okay, my my runner up review was for the uh, Ghibli movie Porco Rosso, um, and my review just simply was, "I like pig pig fly plane." Um, so that was my Porco <laughs> Porco yeah. Rosso review. But my favorite is gonna go to um, the Village, which is the two thousand four hmm. like horror by M Night Shyamalan. Um, and I just wrote "Magic Rocks for the Blind Girl," which. If you've seen it, it makes sense. But also in my head, something that always adds to it is I, I wrote it with like italics. So I do like a little sing song voice in my head when I see it. Um, just magic rock for the blind girl. My runner up, because we're doing two. Yeah. Is my review of the Batman mm-hmm. in which I state, you came, <laughs> which is something that the Riddler says mm-hmm. to Batman. I also put two oh, of the like. Something you said. Ugh emojis you yeah know, the one that goes like ah very descriptive yeah. yeah yeah um but i think the winner is actually going to go to my review for the northman okay okay the furry with gamer neck and the witch girl tell you not to come to school tomorrow <laughs> perfect I like that. which is an app tells you everything about the movie i, I think yeah. i mentioned nerd neck in my review of the northman yes. too yeah. <laughs> Dude, he got that gamer he, neck. he had the he, gamer like, neck so yeah nice and uh uh if you guys want to follow us on letterboxd to see more just absolute golden reviews like this it's also i will say in case you don't have letterboxd it's a very fun way to to mark what movies you've seen this has been a huge help for us as we were trying to figure out um Mm -hmm. oh what did we see for the first time this year we can go back through the diary and figure out oh this is the movies that i started watching in january all the way up to now um in the show notes you know what? Screw it. I'll link our uh, our accounts down below if you guys have a litter box and you want to you want to give us a follow. Um, mostly there's goofy reviews, but you can also just kind of keep up with us and see what we're watching and all that kind of stuff. And we'd be happy to follow you all back. So 
Yeah. All right. Um, aside from that little promo, the next category is going to be best fit. This is just the, the, the best fit. Outfit. Who's, who's dripped? Who's got the sauce? Who's goaded, dripped out, leaky faucet? Chinese water torture kind of dripped up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and for me, I am going to go with the movie The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, directed, of course, by Wes Anderson, coming at you from 2004. Really? You saw that for the first time I this year? I saw it for the first time this year. Um, huh. Really, any of the fits of the movie. I mean, it's not uncommon that Wes Anderson has like phenomenal wardrobe, but the classic blue matching fit with the reddish-orange beanie and the Adidas sneaks, iconic, especially, obviously, Willem Dafoe in his little shorts. So um, I'm going to give best fit to Willem Dafoe, I think, in Life Aquatic. Now, when you're thinking of best fit, you got to think, you know, is this fit good for day wear, night wear? <laughs> is it good for sunny weather and, and rainy weather? I did not think like that. And does it look stylish as all hell? That's, that's just how I chose mine. <laughs> I want my fit to be perfect in all regards. Flawless. And so, I picked any of the fits from All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> That's on my list. <laughs> Listen, it's not my fault that Germany knows how to make absolute banger fits. I have, I have Germans in All Quiet on my <laughs> list. When they're committing horrible atrocities, I'm not saying... And listen, this is going to give me a lot of flack. I'm not saying that I promote what you know like the nazis and what they did in world war one nazis world war two but you know both the world wars the germans knew what they were doing to make some fire outfits and it all kind of the western front it's their fits are good it, they look sick as fuck i want to wear that i'm in for my fits that was an option bronson appears here again he had some pretty pretty good fits. Mm-hmm. When he's I'm not a particularly good outfit person, so this was actually a very difficult category for me. Um, this can't go to it because I've seen it before, but Rango's on here. I watched a little play this year called The Black Rider, which was like a weird German expressionist play uh, with with some songs by Tom Waits in it. And uh, they, they wear some, some very strange fits. Imagine... Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. If you don't know what that is, I don't know. Look at like Tim Burton kind of stuff. They wear like a, he's got like a red suit and there's, you know, like the, 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 I, I, I'm so bad with clothes. I don't know what to call it. It like, it like buttons to his left side rather than the front. And he's got, you know, a black stripe on his eyes and their hair is all slicked back. They look really stupid. But it's a good fit. That's my fit. All right. This is next award i don't know why we have it so high up because this is the one this is the big one this is the one we all love this is the one that all the audiences this love. is the one this is that what you've tuned in for. i think this we are it. all in unanimity about this award yeah. the boss baby award highly coveted highly coveted so many movies try to get this award who does the boss baby award go to the boss baby award goes to the hit film Boss Baby. Yeah. In my opinion, I think it should go to the hit film Boss Baby. I'm going to actually change my answer from you guys, and I think I'm going to go uh, with the 2017 movie Boss Baby. Mm-hmm. That's a good Bold one. Bold choice. Yeah. Bold yeah. choice. Yeah. The Boss Baby. 
All right, Stefan, what's our next one? <laughs> our next category is least favorite slash I interpret it as worst movie of yep. the year. Mm-hmm. This is we're getting into some meat now. Yes. Yeah. Now had, we're 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 getting into some more serious categories. If I had, you made it this far, thank you. An ungodly list. Okay. I had an ungodly <laughs> list of movies I could have picked from for this. But what does it go to? It goes to I might ruffle some feathers here because people might like this movie. I watched a movie this year called Fresh. It is a movie. The premise is about a man, uh, a woman, a woman meets a man who uh, turns out to be a serial killer and, and chops up women and sells their meat. Okay, fine. It's all right. I hated this movie. I picked this one because it made me outraged. It made me angry because it's bad. Well, it's just, okay. it's, it's so bad. It made you exhausted. It was it so bad. It made me you. exhausted. It, it, it tries to do this, this whole shtick where it's kind of like. It, where it thinks it's making a very deep metaphor of or sort of the concept is like men are bad men are going to kill you and eat you which is not an issue i don't have an issue with that metaphor midsummer because men do suck yeah midsummer <laughs> is a movie with okay men. midsummer is about a lot of things but you could boil it down to just sort of men are bad but that movie is infinitely better and they actually make it good with good characters and good effects and good filmmaking this movie does not and what it does worse is it's very tone deaf so it tries to make you kind of be like, oh, look how deep this is. And then you get a three-minute sequence of Sebastian Stan dancing in the kitchen. And you're like, is this, is this helping the message? What, what, what are we doing here? And it's just, it's a girl boss too close to the sun, in my yeah. personal opinion. I, I cheated a little bit with this one because I had seen this one before. This is the second time, Mariah. Breaking the rules. But, but here's the deal. This is the one that I felt most strongly about. When I rewatched it, because I rewatched it to make sure I hated it, and I still did. Which the other ones I wouldn't rewatch. This one I have like a passion about, <laughs> okay. And that's that's why I chose it. Which Stefan mentioned very briefly. It is the 2017 movie Hampstead. It's based on this true story of an Irishman who lives as a hermit in the woods in London. And then when a developer wants to make apartments in that area, he there's basically like a legal battle. Of about ownership of the land because he's been squatting there for since like the 80s and he like wins the lawsuit. However, it's like a romance movie between Brendan Gleeson and Diane Keaton. And Keaton basically plays this wealthy woman who tries to quote unquote like save him. And when he wins the ownership, she like still is like, okay, so now that you've won, now you can move in with me. And he's like, no. I like mm. where I am. I like to be where I am. That's the whole point of all of this. And the whole time they've been fighting so he can stay on his land. And at the end, she still wants him to change for her. And it completely negates the objective of the movie. And and it also kind of like fetishizes like classism yeah. between the two. Because like nice. she has like savior complex. Like, oh, I'm saving him. Pisses me off so much mm. because... I had a fit about this one too. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I put it on here just because... All the other movies that I saw that I was like, like Morbius, objectively horrible. That was like my runner up. I felt like I was kind of too basic to talk about. This one like riled me up. Stefan and I were like ranting as we were watching it. Mm. So I'm actually going to change mine because I was reminded of a movie that I watched. Um, and so the original one that I had was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. But I, I saw your passion, Stefan. I saw the passion Ooh. you had for the movie you disliked, and Ooh. I thought, Ooh. I don't have that passion. I just, you know, when I think of Rescue Rangers, I just go, ugh, yeah, it was bad. But a movie that I passionately dislike, don't worry, darling. Mm. I've talked about it before. This movie fucking sucks. 
there's there's no redeeming quality to this movie. The acting isn't there. The plot is stupid. There's so many other movies that do it better. So many things are like said, but then like totally fucking forgotten. Like, why did the lights explode? Why did the lights explode? <laughs> what what why are why are there earthquakes? What are the earthquakes doing? Why is she having horrible schizophrenic episodes inside the virtual world. It doesn't. It, it it doesn't make any sense. Why did the dude get murdered in the end? We weren't. It's never alluded to that anyone dislikes him. He's just stabbed at the very end to to get him out of the fucking mood. It's so stupid. And then she's tied up in the bed at the very end. She can't escape. She's going to die. Olivia Wilde, you you shat the bed. You shat the bed. You fucking ate shit. No wonder, no fucking wonder the guy from Holes, I forget his name. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. No fucking wonder Shia LaBeouf was like, I don't want to be in this anymore. Oh my God. If I read the script, I'd be like, I'm out. I'm out. So uh, that's us ranting about movies we didn't like. <laughs> Normally we talk about movies we do like. So I hope yeah. that didn't bother you guys too much. Let us know. Well, what, just, just wait until we get to the next one. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Because our next mm. category is is related and it's walked out on. And and I mean, this doesn't have to be we watched in theaters and actually walked out of the theater, but like a movie that we started and just couldn't even finish. So with least favorite watch, it was, you know, you at least finished it. This is couldn't get through it. And my walked out on takey is going to go to this rom-com from 2009 called Did You Hear About the Morgans? I Did you? No, because I, I never finished it. Left. Because... Working two jobs and getting back home sometimes at 11 p.m., I would just turn on a stupid movie just to, like, numb my brain. And I and I thought, ooh, a rom-com starring Hugh Grant. I'm in. Oof. Uh, it's about a divorced couple who witness, like, a, a crime and they have to go into witness protection together. Okay. Which is, like, a fine premise for yeah. a, a, a goofy rom-com that doesn't take itself too seriously. But I made it, like, 20 minutes in. And I think the 12% rating on Rotten Tomatoes should have warned me, but I didn't see that rating before I started it. And um, yeah, I didn't get very far in at all. I just couldn't stand it. The writing was horrible. The acting wasn't great. And that's all I got to say because I only watched 20 minutes of it. So yeah. yeah. Miles, what about you? Well, the movie that I walked out on, my walkout award, goes to R.I.P.D. 2. <laughs> now, I'm sure a lot of you are going to say, they made a second R.I.P.D.? They did? And they did. What year? 2022. God, so if you don't know, R.I.P.D., Rest in Peace Department, was a cop movie that was like, it was kind of like Men in Black, but with ghosts and spirits and shit. Ryan. Ryan Reynolds or something. And was it Jeff Bridges? Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Ryan okay. Reynolds or Jeff Bridges. Yeah. So R.I.P.D. 2 is about Jeff Bridges' character when he first joins the R.I.P.D. And oh my God, the cinematography is terrible. The script is terrible. The lines they say are terrible. The acting is terrible. Nothing in this movie is good. The editing is god-awful. I got like, I want to say like 17 minutes in before I was like, this is just a punishment to watch. <laughs> this fucking sucks. I don't. I only turned it on because I was interested. I was like, well, R.I.P.D., it was fun, but it was still really bad. Oh, yeah. It's not a great movie, but yeah. like... Um, dude, R.I.P.D. 2 makes R.I.P.D. look like a masterpiece. It was just so bad. After 17 minutes, I was like, "There's, I could be doing anything. 
I could be beating my head against the wall and it would be more productive. And that's it. I RIPD was bad. Yeah, I'm not going to be very fun here because I haven't walked out on a lot of movies. There's only two movies this year that you could classify as a walkout. And there's not even much to say. One of them was, it was this Jackie Chan movie, which I had a hard time even finding. And unfortunate that it's a Jackie Chan movie because Jackie Chan is phenomenal. It was called The Accidental Spy. And it was just so uninteresting. It like sucked the soul out of you. Like yeah. it felt like I was working a nine to five job or just kind of <laughs> like, I don't want to watch this. And I, I can't even really explain it deeper than that other than it just like was bad. I know it, it had some production issues where apparently there's two versions of it. There was a version that was edited for America and a version that was edited for like China. And apparently the American version is really botched because they were like, it needs to be America and it's got to have like this and this. And there's things where like the poster has like two women on it that aren't in the movie. What? And it was like, what? So I think what happened is they just like re-edited it into this monstrosity that just did not work. Well, next up. Now, now we're kind of getting into, into the getting good into categories. The, now so chunkiness. Yeah. Here we go. We walked out of some movies, but this is the exact opposite. Th- these are the movies that we came back for. The movies that we yeah. loved so much, we wanted to love it again. This is favorite rewatch. So these are the movies that we rewatched this year. And I have a fun little story. My reward award goes to Perfect Blue. Mm. I got, I originally watched Perfect Blue on DVD. And I enjoyed it. Can and you? I, I do not know what this movie is. Could you give me a brief synopsis? Of Perfect movies? Blue is the inspiration for Black Swan. Uh, oh, okay. So the the director of Black Swan will say that he did not get anything from Perfect Blue. That is a blatant lie. Oh, okay. <laughs> he got the rights for an American version of Perfect Blue. He says that he was. He had seen Perfect Blue, but it definitely wasn't a part of Black Swan, even though there are shot-to-shot scenes from Perfect Blue in Black Swan. So if you're like, Black Swan's amazing, just watch Perfect Blue and realize that you're wrong. Or, not that you're wrong, but that Perfect Blue is good or better. Perfect Blue is amazing. So it's about this girl who's a pop star, and she goes from being a pop star to an, an actress. And it's kind of about how she's losing her innocence and the struggle she's having to kind of change her identity from pop star to, to actress. The first leg of the movie, you're like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm watching a pretty decent movie. And then everything changes. And it's, it's you're like, what the fuck is... It's, a, it's like a psychological thriller. So okay. you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, things are going and I'm like, I'm trying to piece the pieces together and everything's not... It's, it's crazy. And... I loved it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I got the chance to see it in theaters. Hmm. And so I watched, I rewatched it in the movie theater and golly gee, it was just as good the second time through. I love this movie. Nice. Nice. Stefano. I got a couple on here. Um, Nominated are Uncut Gems. I watched, this one doesn't count, but I watched the Chernobyl miniseries. Loved it. It's phenomenal. I can't go on enough about that. I rewatched Sar- Sicario. Fantastic. But I'm actually going to give it to another Roger Deacon shot movie. That is The Assassination 
of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Like Miles, this is a movie I really liked that I was able to see in a theater this year. And mm-hmm. I went with him and got to see it for the first time in that theater. Yes. Mm, very cool. Um, it, was, it was the New Beverly Theater, which Tarantino owns, actually, and he, uh. he uh, shows movies there. I'll be honest, the theater experience was not quite what I wanted. But cool vibes though. Love it's it. it's it's a great movie. I love this movie. It's a favorite of mine. It's it's about the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. It's got Brad Pitt in it. It's got Casey Affleck. They are phenomenal in this movie. Their performances mm-hmm. are fantastic. Roger Deakin shot this movie. It is fantastic. The way he shot this movie is it's phenomenal. This is one of his favorite movies that he's done. This is one of the favorite movies Brad Pitt has ever done. It's 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 a western, but what I like about it is it, it it sort of deconstructs the mythos of the West and the legends of the West, and and you know looks at them in the lens of reality. It, it does a lot of ruminating. You hear a lot of monologues. You hear a lot of narration. But I I really like it. It's it's as if he's narrating and that the movie was constructed after his narration rather than him saying what's going on. It's like the movie was made for the guy's voice. Um, it's really great. It's beautiful. It's melancholic. It's fantastic. I don't want to drag this on too long, but it's great. Nice. Um, my pick for favorite rewatch is going to go to a movie called Our Souls at Night, um, which came out in 2017, directed by Ritesh Batra. Hope I said that correct. Apologies if not. Um, and I picked this one because it kind of became a comfort movie for me. I got to watch it with my mom where uh, we both FaceTimed each other and hit play at the same time because I was in California. She's in Alaska. Um, so we could watch it together. It's also based on a book, and my mom sent me the book, and we both read it, <laughs> did our own like little book club basically for it. Um, the book's written by Kent Harif. Read it, loved it. It's basically identical to the movie. I don't. It wouldn't really make a great podcast episode, which is kind of why I'm talking about it. My runner-up choice was Murder on the Orient Express, the 1974 one, directed by Sidney Lumet, but I will be covering that one on the podcast, so I figured I would save that for the episode eventually down the line. But basically, Our Souls at Night is it's a, just a delightful story about this widow played by Jane Fonda, who approaches her neighbor, who's a widower, played by Robert Redford. And she asks him if he would be interested in sleeping over at her place just because the nights are always the hardest and they're very lonely. And she's like, I think I'm lonely. I think you might be lonely. Would you want to do this kind of as companionship? And so it's just kind of older people finding a new friendship and a relationship kind of blooms from it. From it. In it, Jane Fonda's like grandson comes to visit. And so there's a sense of like youth kind of brought in with their kind of, I mean, they're they're older in it. Um, so it kind of balances out really well. And overall, it's just a very sweet story. And I really loved it. And it's like a, it's like a warm blanket of a movie. And so uh, I'm going to pick that one. Very good. Very nice. Yeah. We're going to chug along on to the next category. Yes. I feel like we should have commercial breaks or something like an actual <laughs> yeah. award show, but shouldn't drag this on too long, I suppose. We are on to best score slash soundtrack. In hindsight, we may have, we should have perhaps split them up, but for now we have them both. So if you feel the need to uh, make the distinction, you too, go ahead and do so. I guess I will be starting here. I had a couple of options. Elvis came out this year. I thought that was fun. Saw that in theaters. It was good. Um, I watched a movie called The Phantom of the Paradise, which is directed by Brian De Palma. It's a very kooky rock musical so it's got a lot of sort of classic rock songs assault and precinct 13 john carpenter even rrr i really enjoyed the uh the music in that but the one this goes to 
for me is the movie Punch Drunk Love, score done by John Bryan. The movie has Adam Sandler. He plays a man named Barry Egan. He's a shy, lonely, and timid man with a disposition. Me for real, for real award. My almost for me for real, for real award. He has a disposition for explosive outbursts, which I do not anymore. When I was young, I did. This is largely due to his heavily judgmental and oppressive family. And at the beginning of the movie, a harmonium, which is like a piano type instrument, crashes from a car at his feet. And from there, the story develops. You know, there's a scheme for frequent flyer miles with pudding, uh, a love interest, and a scamming sex line network. The score was really good. The, the composer described it as a musical, except no one ever breaks out into song, and it just sort of builds and builds, and you think something's going to happen, and it doesn't happen. That's the kind of musical that I could get behind. And what I think is really good about the score is the later half is very pleasant to listen to. The first half is very strange, but what it does is it's, it's really reflective of the emotional state of Barry himself. It's very good at making you feel anxious, and as well as being evocative, it is very nice. So it goes to that. It's also just extremely unique. Yeah. Nice. Um, I did have trouble kind of separating the two because I realized I had a favorite soundtrack and a favorite score. Mm. So I'm going to touch on both very briefly. Okay. Um, my favorite soundtrack is going to go to this movie called Lucky um, from 2017, directed by John Carroll Lynch. Um, it stars Harry Dean Stanton, and it's kind of like a modern Western kind of like American drama about this old man coming to terms terms with his mortality in kind of like a cowboy town in California. And it just uses a bunch of like Mexican folk songs like mariachi, um, along with some country like Woody Guthrie. It uses a super sad Johnny Cash song mm. while um, Harry Dean Stanton is mm. in bed by himself and he like kind of curls up. And it's, it's a song called I See a Darkness and you're just like, fuck. Um, it just really emphasizes the environment and like emotions. And it's just very fun. But then for score... Uh, I'm going to give it to There Will Be Blood, which I uh, watched for the first time this year. Yeah, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. With music composed by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just got like a lot of very good droning noises um, as the lead character like descends into madness, essentially. It's just perfect. And genuinely, like everything about it works super well with the story. Um, the cinematography is just great. I also found out when I was like kind of pulling some information for this, I I found out that because it contains an excerpt from an earlier piece called Popcorn Super Hit Receiver, it wasn't eligible for an Oscar. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Mm. But yeah. Um, yeah, very, 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 very good. Really loved it. That is a very good movie. We I will be covering it on the podcast yes. at some point. I That is also a favorite of mine. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, out of the two, I'm going to go with There Will Be Blood for the score, but I also just with soundtrack wanted to highlight lucky well my favorite score slash soundtrack is going to go to all quiet on the western front yes uh yet again they get they get another point in my book they I have like the part where went, yeah it is the soundtrack is the score is very harsh it is brutal and it is a wonderful reflection of what is going on in the war it is very unapologetic and 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 uh very loud yeah it's loud it's not quiet it's not quiet yeah. at all it would it would do this bit yeah where it would make like this sort of blowhorn kind of sound yeah. every once in a while and it was like you know all reflective of the war machine and whatnot the score they used when it's like the very beginning of the movie and they're kind of going through this kid gets shot and his uniform gets taken and washed and 
then given to another person. The score they use is very it helps kind of like accentuate that mood of just like the it's war is just a machine that pumps through and and grinds you down and takes whatever it can from you. So I'm gonna go with I'll cry on the Western Front. All right, moving right along, we are getting a little bit towards the end here. Um, we're gonna move on to favorite cinematography now. Objectively, I know that I should choose Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford with cinematography by Roger Deakins. However, I'm going to go with a different one here. I'm going to go with a movie called Miller's Crossing from 1990, directed by the Coen brothers with cinematography by Barry Sonnenfeld. There was just something about Miller's Crossing that really stood out to me while I was watching it. And while I was thinking about who to give this to, I had kind of narrowed them down and just something about it was grabbing me. So I'm just going to go with my gut. Mm. There's just, I think... Very good basic composition that is used very well. There's like empty warehouses where just the lines are just super cool. <laughs> um, there's the deserted woods where a man is pleading for his life on his knees and it's just the woods are busy, but it's empty at the same time. There's a house on fire as a man in a robe has a Tommy gun shooting at a billion people. I mean, just like the coloring. There's like a lot of really good tracking shots with good reveals. It's just a great time and I feel like it doesn't get in the way or it's not too distracting from the story. I think it it simply aids in the storytelling, and I think it's just very well done. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Miller's Crossing. Best cinematography for me is going to go to The Northman. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful cinematography. They have just great framing, great tracking shots, the whole part where he's fighting the like zombie man to get the sword. And it's like it plants the camera in the mm-hmm. center and kind of like rotates around as they fight. Very good. The, all the nighttime stuff and when they're in the volcano. It looked very good. It's not my favorite movie out there. I think The Northman had some problems. But the one thing you cannot say is that it had bad cinematography. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of options here. I saw The Revenant. Yeah, this Emmanuel, one was hard to choose. Emmanuel Lubezki I saw. Really great. He does great work. The Parallax View is a movie that I saw and really liked this year. Cinematography was by Gordon Willis, who did the Godfather series. So phenomenal stuff there. A movie Blowout by Brian De Palma that I saw that I really liked. You're going to hear these names again later. But I think I have to give this award to Andrei Rublev, that weird Russian movie that I watched earlier this year and talked about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Cinematography by Vadim Yusuf. It's directed by Andre Tarkovsky. <sighs> Andre works very closely with the cinematographers, and he's very, very specific about the mise-en-scene of the shots. And the mise-en-scene, for those who don't know, is sort of how you place things and the characters within the frame of the shot, you know, or, or how you collect what's actually on frame. Andre would be very meticulous with how he uh, assembled things to make you try and feel things sort of subconsciously. And that's the whole purpose. Film filmmaking, as you know, a medium is very subconscious. But the cinematography works so well and so close with the production and the editing that it's like it's hard to even separate them from one another. Uh, it's wonderfully done in black and white. And one of the things that I really like about this movie, as well as um, the cinematographer's work, is that they focus a lot on texture and lighting things for texture. A lot of really great shots and focusing on things like water and fire and very artsy fartsy blah 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 you know and it would be a lot of close-ups and slow shots and then all of a sudden you'd have a shot where it'd fly away and there's 200 people on scene on the landscape and you're like holy cow and you get the full scope of things 
It was very good. That's all. Next up is our favorite animated movie. So much effort goes into animated movies that they deserve their own award. A lot of a lot of people dedicate their their time to making numbers move across the screen in such a way that we go, oh, ooh, ah, ha, ha, ooh, I love it. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> tickled, ha. Uh, so my favorite animated movie is going to be Gamble Toro's Pinocchio. Nice. Good pick. It just came out when we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, and it immediately is the best Pinocchio remake or reimagining that came out this year because for some reason, <laughs> of the like three other movies, three of them came out. Father, when I can go out on my own, I have, I have a, whole a whole world, world to, to see. see. I have a whole world to see. And then the one with our boy, Tommy Hanks. Tom Hanks, where Pinocchio was just God awful. And the beer was, the root beer was fake for some reason. And, He's jittering in his hands and all that. But no, this one, completely stop motion animated. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. A great reimagining of the tale. Gets, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know, you're not seeing the same things that you've mm-hmm. seen half a billion times with this movie. I mean, golly gee, the animation is, is so beautiful. And the art, the character designs, everything in this movie is absolutely stunning and so i believe it is my favorite animated movie of this year good pick good pick yes good pick um i had a lot of options i considered pinocchio as well um i talked about this one before too i watched a movie a stop motion movie called mad god earlier this year that i really really liked it was done by phil Tippett. he'd worked on it for nearly 20 years it had some really crazy, just the designs, the design work and the world that was built in this is um, phenomenal. The weird little creatures, if you like kind of the we- just weird sort of scary sort of gloomy little things in this little creature world, give this movie a watch. It's fantastic. It's a passion project of one man and a couple of other people who helped him over the course of many, many years. It's really good. I would try and explain it to you. I don't know if I can. It's like there's like this underworld and these these what do they call them? These rangers, these guys go down to this underworld and they're trying to like destroy the underworld. So they bring a bomb down with them and then uh, they try to blow it up and then really crazy things happen. But it's okay because it looks pretty. That's it. Nice. Um, And mine, not a surprise, is going to be a movie called Song of the Sea, uh, which came out in 2014. and It's directed by a man named Tom Moore. Um, it's an Irish animated movie about loss and grief in a family. This mother dies in childbirth and the brother basically blames his mute sister for their mother's death. And we soon discover that his sister is a selkie, which is a person who can turn into a seal with like kind of this special magic coat um, that belonged to her mother because the mother was a selkie. But then they get shipped away to go live with their mean old grandma and the father throws the coat away. And so they have to journey back to get the coat before the sister dies. The whole point is basically that, like, you need to deal with emotions and you can't just lock things away in a chest or bottle them up. Watch me. And aside from <laughs> the story, the animation is beautiful. It's um, very much different than your typical Disney Pixar DreamWorks kind of stuff. Um, it's 2D, 
super symmetrical backgrounds, very Celtic designed. It also looks like watercolor paintings as like the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And then with the kind of symmetrical stuff kind of on top of it. The same studio has released a couple of other ones that are in the very similar style. There's a movie called The Secret of Kells, which is good, but has very talk about it? <laughs> racist okay. stereotypes. So um, I don't know. If Some I would, of the illustrations are, yeah. Um, um, very questionable, unfortunately. Very beautiful animation aside from that. But um, yeah, it's just a very different style of animation. It's just very beautiful. And I found myself being like, I, wow, I want that like framed. So yeah, I'm going to give it to the Song of the Sea. One more takey for the road. Favorite actor. This one we didn't really discuss either. No, we left it really open-ended. But so, but we do have best performance. Act- well, actor slash actress. Yes. Y- yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, We're so, not sexist here. So I am. Oh. He does. He hates women. I hate men. I hate women. I hate them both. <laughs> Ooh. No <I'm-> sex. <laughs> Favorite actor. Guys. Yes. Yes. Favorite actor. So the way I interpreted this was like favorite actor of the year. What's what's an actor I've seen several times or really like their work or Mm -hmm. mayhaps I sought out their work. I don't actually do that very frequently. Um, An actor I want to shout out is Colin Farrell. He was in a lot of good stuff this Mm -hmm. year, although I did not see most of it. (laughs) So I can't rightfully pick him. He's, He's done a lot this year. Jackie Chan is another one. I've sought out a lot of we, his stuff yeah. this year we've seen a lot of his things he was like very all close. the rush hours <laughs> i honestly i probably should be ch- choosing him but i'm not i'm gonna give this takey to um a personal bias of mine which is mr tom waits yeah if if you don't know tom waits he's not he's known mostly as a, a musician i really like his music you look this guy up hold on he's been in a couple of movies he was in uh ballad of buster scruggs he was in Licorice Pizza for a moment. He was in a movie called Imaginarium of Dr. Parnas. I, I, seven, have, I have never seven seen Seven Psychopaths, also by Martin Seven McDonough. Psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah, um, never seen him. He's been in a lot, and I've sought out a lot of his work this year. And he's just a silly, goofy little guy. He's in a movie. I. He's in The Dead Don't Die? Yes. Yeah. Who's he playing The Dead Oh, yeah, he's die. in The Book of Eli for a brief moment, too. He did the music for that play that you mentioned for Best Fit. He, he did the music for... Um, oh, he was Hermit Bob. He's Hermit Bob. Die. Okay, so I have seen him. Okay. Yeah, and he, he talks like this. And he, I'm Tom Waits. And, in and interviews, he's In an interview, he was like, oh, Tom, do you think of yourself as uh, an actor or a songwriter? And he's like, well, I'm a Methodist. <laughs> he sounds like that. Um, he was in a movie called Down by Law that I watched, which he was really fun in because... The way they wrote that movie was they wrote his character around him. So they just sort of made it him. So it was just him being weird and singing to himself and saying really weird phrases and stuff. He's a kooky man. I love him. Nice. Moving Um, on. My actor of the year is going to go to a man named Albert Finney. Um, I watched, uh, unlike Stefan, I kind of um, will seek out an actor. If I like their work, um, I'll be like, damn, I really like them. Let me see what else they've been in. Um, and sometimes I link it to directors that I like as well. Um, but yeah, I watched a lot with him in it this year um, because I fell in love with his his portrayal of Poirot in Murder on the Orient Express, the 1974 version. Um, I had also uh, had seen him in the musical Annie, um, which I will make you guys watch at some point for no. this podcast. Um, and for the first time this year, I watched The Dresser, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, Aaron Brockovich, Miller's Crossing, Scrooge, Tom Jones, and Big Fish. 
And he's just phenomenal in all of these, especially I want to rewatch The Dresser before the devil knows you're dead and, you know, Big Fish again. I just really like him a lot in, in the roles that he does. And so he's, he's going to be my actor of the year. And I think one of my favorite things about him is that when he was younger, he did a lot of movies that required him to be old. And so even when he was young, he just had to wear a lot of prosthetics and he looked like he was 50, 60, 70. And he was like 30, 40 max. Which is just uh, very fun. And I think that was one of the things he said is he's like, nobody knows what I look like because I'm constantly, you know, for Poirot, he had to like put on a fat suit and like grease his hair black and like have this goofy mustache on. And for the dresser, he's playing this dementia ridden actor. And for Scrooge, he's Ebenezer Scrooge, old as fuck. Like he just did a lot of that kind of stuff, which I just think is also very fun. So yeah, Mm -hmm. shout out to Albert Finney. He's my actor of the year. All right, Miles, what do you what do you got, Miles? All right. First off, my favorite actor of all time, Ian McGregor. Favorite actor slash actress of the year, however, is going to go to Michelle Yeoh. Mm. Mm. Nice. Uh, who plays Evelyn in Everything Everywhere All at Once. She did very good. She is a wonderful actress. She knows uh, martial arts, which is impressive because martial arts is hard. <laughs> yeah. She did all her own work in the movie i think she's a hard worker i think she's fun uh she seems like a wonderful person to be with on set michelle yo michelle yo nice nice and then uh kind kind of linked similarly our next category we have three left folks stay with us here this category is performance of the year um and for me uh it didn't have to be for a movie that came out this year but mine is going to go to ki hoi kwan or Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. How could I have seen this coming? Um, oh. Directed by the Daniels. Um, and I walked out of this theater and I couldn't stop thinking about his performance. And that's why I picked it just because like it really stuck out to me the second I watched it. I know it's one of the most famous heartfelt scenes. It's also kind of memed, but like when he says in another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. Kills me. And in general... His supportive, loving, simple demeanor is just, it's so, it's so lovely. And he just portrays it so fucking well. And, you know, more than that, knowing that he had a very hard time in the industry. Obviously, he had been um, short round and data in Indiana Jones and the Goonies. And then he wasn't able to find work. And then he uh, saw Crazy Rich Asians, wanted to try one more time. And I think it was like two weeks after he got an agent, he got offered this role. I'm just so happy that he's back you know, acting because he fucking kills it in this movie. And I really hope that he gets an Oscar nom. Obviously an Oscar win would be really cool. Cause I do think is one of my, you know, obviously my favorite performance of the year. So yeah, it's going to go to Ki Hoi Kwan. Right. Miles, what do you have? Performance of the year. Yeah. Yes. Lay it. Just the, the Egg. person that made you feel things made you go. Oh my God. Made you I, go. I, I oh yeah. Makes you give me a hoya for this oh, next person. Yeah. It's Bob Wells from Nomadland. Nice. Yes. Good um, job, Bob Wells. This is the Good first job time being a human being. <laughs> yeah. This is it was the first time in a very long time uh watching movies where I was like, Oh my god. This he's he's pouring everything out. And you will learn why he poured everything out in a future episode. Yes. Uh, but boy, oh boy, this man uh, made me feel emotions for the first time in forever. I actually am a psychopath and am very rarely capable of even feeling anything at all. So I get that. The fact that Bob Wells was able to pull so much out of me um, 
I owe him so much. And he looks like Santa Claus. So I want to give him a little smooch on the beard. Good smooch on the beard. Yeah. Us sociopaths. I know that like if I'm watching something or if I'd watch something and it made me feel something, I know that means it was good to some regard. Um, John Cassavetes in the movie Mikey and Nikki. I haven't seen it. In this movie. Heard of it. It's got John Cassavetes. It's got Peter Falk. Uh, Peter Falk has a funny eye, but he looks very kind. Um, in this movie, Nikki, John Cassavetes, stole money from a mob boss he works for, and he calls his childhood friend, Peter Falk, to uh, help him escape the contract that's on his head. That's kind of That's the story. Cassavetes' character, Nikki, he's faced with the very likely possibility that he's going to die. There's people out there coming to get him. He is, he is manic and like sick with fear in this movie and emotion. When we first see him, he's like in a hotel room hold up and he's like going to throw up. He's so like scared and he's just like frantic and weird and crazy. He's always fighting himself and his emotions and he's unable to trust anyone and he doesn't know if he can trust his friend, but his friend's trying to help him, but he keeps trying to fight his friend. But at the same time, he's very desperate to try and like get comfort from his friend. So you can see this like conflict happening with him in his performance. This movie is directed by a woman named Elaine May, and they shot 1.4 million feet of film. Holy crap! Because what they did... What the (laughs) fuck? Because what they did is they did a lot of improvisation. In fact, there was one moment, there was one time where um, the actors left and they kept cameras rolling. And then the camera operator cut the cameras and Elaine May was like, why did you do that? And he's like, they're not in the room. Why are we rolling? And she was like, yeah, but they might come back. That 1. was like point four <laughs> million, million holy money. <laughs> holy shit, this, dude. This movie also went through a lot of production issues because it took too long to edit and the studio yeah. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> the studio was mad and it's it's actually edited rather poorly. It's it's assembled pretty bad, but but the it's all about the performances. Um and I think that's what I was make these performances great is because that's the point of it. I wish you guys could see what Miles is doing right now. <laughs> but but that one that one point four million of feet of film gives you some of the most authentic, intimate, and personal moments that you've ever seen in a movie. That's it's, so it's fucking it's beautiful. Long, it's spontaneous. Dude. It's 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 just a very 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 good performance, and the ending is incredible. Cool. Very good. Nice. Up next. We're, we're almost there, guys. This is the second to last one. The penultimate. Penal. If this, you will. Penal. This is penis. our penis. penis. This is essentially the height of the Oscars. This is favorite film released in 2022. This is the one that we loved. That came out this year. Asterix, asterix. Um, I would like to preface this by saying there's also a lot of movies we have not seen or I'm not capable of seeing. Yes. I want to run yeah. through a couple of them, such as Decision to Leave, yep. The Fablemans, The Whale, Triangle of Sadness, Tar, Glass Onion. Miles, did you watch? Nope. Nope. No. None of us have seen Nope. I'm very so, sorry yeah, about that there's one. There's a lot that we missed. A part of it is just um, we're busy. We can't go to the movie yeah. theater all the time. You know, obviously when we're recording this, some of the movies haven't actually come out yet or yeah. are not readily available to us. So... Unfortunately, we do have to kind of put those aside, so it does kind of discount a lot of very good mm-hmm. contenders. So if you listen to this, you say, how in the world do they not pick Tar? What is wrong with these people? We haven't seen it. We don't have the opportunity to see it yet. Yep. So yeah. bear with us. Yes. So my pick for the best movie of this year is obviously 
everything, everywhere, all at once. This film is downright amazing. I love this movie. The editing is is stupendous. It's spectacular. The set dressing, the costumes, the makeup, the visual effects. The acting. The acting, the story itself, the meaning behind the story. Every part of this movie is gold. And I think you should see it because it is obviously my favorite movie of the year. That would be, once again, for all those who just came in at the very end of this podcast for some reason, everything, everywhere, all at once is amazing and you should watch it. Watch it. Not don't wash it. Maybe they just want to skip ahead and hear our dog shit opinions. Mm. Um, I watched a lot of movies this year that came out this year. Dog shit opinions. I can't believe I haven't mentioned Pause of Fury yet. Phenomenal movie. I think it tops everything we've ever talked about so far. Animated film. Which we did see in theaters, by the way. We did see in theaters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a lot of movies. There There was Elvis. See how they run came out. I didn't actually like Elvis. Marry me. I thought it was fun. I, I thought it was a good theater. Movie. I thought I thought it was. I, didn't it, like I thought it. it was just a fun I didn't time. Like it. I didn't necessarily think. I like I like that music. So I got. I, I like Tom look. Hanks running around the casino. And his, it, it was bizarre. Uh, yeah, that, that was, that was funny. Um, Top Gun Maverick. I did watch that. <sighs> What's your favorite? It's between Banshees of Inisherin and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Pick one. I do think it has to be Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, dude, our first double. Yeah. yeah. This is the first I, one we've overlapped. I do think I like that just a bit better than Banshees. But Banshees of Inner Sharon is, is incredible. The performances are incredible. Brendan Gleeson is a doll. But everything everywhere. Miles kind of already said it all, so I'm not going to rehash. Good movie. Um, and surprise, surprise, mine is going to be Banshees of Inisherin. I do think genuinely, if I had been able to see it would have the been whale, a double either way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I do think if even if I had seen Tar and the Whale and Decision to Leave, it would still be Banshees of Inisherin. Just because Martin McDonough holds a very special place in my heart, I have read his plays. I did my English thesis on this, but I've already talked about this. I talked mm-hmm. about the experience in a previous episode of the fact that I got to shake that man's hand and and almost piss my pants with stress and anxiety. Almost um, is being nice. But it's just a phenomenal movie about loss and loneliness and friendship and and loss of friendship. And it's very reminiscent of his plays, which, again, I adore. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson knock it out of the park in this reunion from In Bruges. I mean, the twists and turns are fun. Even if you are very familiar with McDonough's work and you know kind of where the twists and turns are going, it's sad. It's beautiful. It's Irish. I mean, what more could you want? It just was... Perfect to me. And I think what I find very interesting about Everything Everywhere and, and this is I think Everything Everywhere is like a, is a maximalist kind of movie. Yeah. And Banshee's Vinishirin is a minimalist kind yeah, of movie. Oh, yeah. They're, they're very different. very opposite end of the, ends of the spectrum with Banshee's being so simple, I mm. think, and very quiet and very subtle. And, and Everything Everywhere is not at all. That being said, Everything Everywhere, I think, is also one of my favorite mm. movies of the year, too. But- it just absolutely has to go to Banshees. Yeah, so. it was it was incredibly close for me between those two movies. It was very hard to choose. Yeah. Well, Stefan, take us out with the final I get the, category. I get the final category. Yeah. I, get the final I get category. the final category. Okay, this one was really difficult for me. I had to rewatch every movie on my list of what was nominated, and I had to give myself some criteria. I had to look at a movie that. What's I, the category? Yeah, what's the category, <laughs> silly goose? The category is best slash favorite, or let's say favorite. Favorite movie that we watched for the first time 
this year. I'm changing my answer to silliest goose to Stefan. I have always been the silliest goose. I have always been the circus, not the monkey. For this category, I considered for myself something that has good editing, good cinematography, good Boom. performances, Boom. good score, Boom. good story, Boom. has a message, yes, and has like a stay with you factor, which sure. is like when, when you watch it later down the road, you find yourself thinking of it. It comes back into your mind. There was a lot on here I had. Um, Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers' first movie, Blowout by Brian De Palma, was a phenomenal movie. The Parallax View was another very close pick for me. But this movie kind of came out of left field. I didn't, wasn't even on my list for a long time. And I thought about it and I thought about it some more. And I realized I really liked it. I've already talked about it. I think it's going to go to Punch Drunk Love mm. for me this year. I think what also really did it for me was Brendan Fraser... And Adam Sandler recently did some interviews. And something Brendan Fraser said about Punch Drunk Love and Barry, the character in it, is that Barry, he's not an underdog. He's an overlooked champion. Mm. And I really, I really like that because Barry, he's kind, of, he's kind of a clown man. He's weird. He's anxious. He's timid. He's shy. He can't talk to people. He has explosive bursts. He doesn't know how to manage his life. His life is boring. And um, you see the sadness within him. And I think Adam Sandler even sort of took this role as proof that he could be more than a clown himself. And he did a phenomenal job. This movie is described as taking an Adam Sandler movie, but like making it good. It like <laughs> deconstructs. It's like, it feels like he's doing like an Adam Sandler character, but they made it like real. He's like a real guy. What I like about this movie with the camera work is that it kind of neglects the whole like shot reverse shot formula. And it, um, doesn't go you know close up medium wide you know it doesn't cut around it's a lot of one takes i think i also picked this one because uh i was looking at all my other movie picks all my other movie picks are very cynical and dark and kind of nihilistic and aren't very happy and i was like this is the one that has a happy ending it's very sweet has a good message it's lovely so my favorite film that i first watched this year is related to my favorite to, to the actor of the year award i gave to albert finney um, and it is the movie Big Fish, directed by Tim Burton. I did not think a Tim Burton movie would be my favorite Dean film McGregor? of the year. Yeah. Ooh, um, baby. And it's not like I hate Tim Burton. I like some of the stuff he's done, but I'm just not like the biggest fan. Scissorhands. Um, I will say, yeah, um, Stand By Me was my runner up just because that movie slaps is phenomenal. But along with Stefan, I just I feel like this one resonated with me more. I I, I watched it in, I think, January for the first time, and then I rewatched it this year already. Um, and I want to read the book that it's based on, that kind of stuff. And I just fell in love with it. And it's about a son coming home to his father as his father is like on his deathbed. And their relationship is strained because the son believes essentially that his father has always lied to him and told like exaggerated stories just to kind of please people and be the center of attention. And so he feels like he doesn't really know his father or trust him. And so it kind of goes back and forth in time to Albert Finney on his deathbed. Um, and then young Albert Finney is played by Ewan McGregor. So yeah, it goes back and forth from present time to these stories that his father told. It involves witches played by Helena Bonham Carter, werewolves played by Danny DeVito, giants, big fish, um, and just crazy oh my characters. Oh didn't forget the big fish. Hold yeah. on. Yeah, and so it's simply just delightful and it's heartwarming. It's sad. The ending almost makes me cry. And yeah, I'm definitely going to be covering it in the future. There's a lot about um, the animatronics of it. And the special effects done by Stan Winston. It's based on a book as well. So look out for that episode in the future. But I just really loved it. Um, and so I'm going to make that my film of the year. 
All right, Miles. Well, to ring things out. Yes. To really finish it off. Yeah. Yeah. My. Is it Paws of Fury? It is Paws of Fury. How did you know? Stefan, you're going to be very pleased with me. It's The Thing. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. It's pretty good, uh, I guess. Yep. That is uh, a very good pick. It's a an amazing horror movie. The animatronics and the costumes and the the puppeteering and all of that jazz is downright amazing. And it's got the guy from Escape from New York in it. Good Kurt job. Russell. Kurt Russell. It's okay. got Kurt Russell in it. Who else? Couldn't tell you. Watch it. It's good. It's phenomenal. Is that what you have to say about it? Yeah. Nice. All right. Well... Thank you for listening to this kind of different episode where we just kind of recapped everything. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you're listening to this at the end of 2022, happy holidays. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening to this in the future, how's the future? Hope it's good. Hope uh, probably sucks. Warn me about whatever happens. How's our How's our president Kanye West? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. It's been a really fun. Um, I mean, I know that it hasn't been a full year since we started it, but you know, coming to the end of 2022, this is the first year that we've been doing this, and we've really appreciated you guys listening and and interacting with us and tuning in. And uh, you guys are awesome. So um, thank you very much. Um, we will be back with you, uh, same as always, in two weeks with a brand new episode. Um, it's going to be back over to me. And we're going to be talking about Nomadland. Um, so a bit of a downer of a movie. So get prepared for Sad. that one. But in the meantime, as always, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and on Instagram at The Takes It Took. But if you guys want to email in uh, your answers for your favorite picks or least favorite picks of the year, please do so. We'd love to hear more suggestions and, and more opinions. Um, if you want us to do this again next year, let us know. Yeah, in the meantime, happy holidays, happy new year, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you guys in 2023. I'm changing my answer to best lips to Stefan. <laughs> okay, bye. 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 Wait, no, stop, stop, stop. We never actually did the quartet thing. Mar Mariah, you give a high note. Miles, you do mid, I go low. Okay, go. You don't start with the high note. I don't care. He goes, ba, da, da, da. We're doing it backwards. We're cool and quirky. Uh, bye. 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 bye.